You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach Stuart Ross. In these podcasts, Stuart will cover 10 strategies you need to address in order to become a scale up leader. Be sure to subscribe to the Scale Up Leader podcast so you and your team can hear them all. You can subscribe via your podcast platform of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and Audible. More information and details of how to order The Scale-Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. Episode 3, in which Stuart explains how business owners and entrepreneurs can become clock builders and multipliers for rapid growth. Hello there, and welcome back to this podcast with Stuart Ross. Hi there, Stuart. Hi, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. And yourself? Very well, indeed. Very well, indeed. Smashing. So without further ado, today we've got three enormous subjects to cover. The first topic is to develop a growth mindset, and from that, how to be a clock builder. And then we'll be looking at how to become a multiplier. All very interesting stuff, and I'm really looking forward to talking to you today about those, Stuart. Firstly, developing a growth mindset sounds like quite the character change for those business leaders who don't already have the right approach. So how can we sum up a growth mindset? What is it that these people should be searching for? I mean, I think fundamentally there, there are two types of mindset out there. There are those people which have got this almost fixed mindset, which is almost a belief system which was created when you, you were born or without, you don't believe you've got any particular sort of talent. Yeah. And your potential in any area of your life tends to be fixed. In other words, they don't believe it can be changed or adapted. That's one set. You've got the, the fixed mindset lot. And then you've all got those people with a growth mindset, which have got a very different belief system, recognizing they've got abilities that they can go and improve, hone, or add to or develop throughout their life. They believe they've really got that unlimited potential in place. So really two sets of, of, of mindset. And it's really how people approach, I guess, a particular sort of challenge. Yeah. with either a fixed or with a growth mindset. Now, at this time, particularly as we start transitioning out of the pandemic, I don't think there's ever been a more important time than to develop and hone those skills of having that growth mindset. Okay. So what about what about some examples that might be useful here? Can, can we look at one of the biggest brands on the planet and how they've done this, maybe? I'm, I'm talking specifically about Microsoft. Microsoft, if you look, that's one of the only companies which has actually managed to maintain its position as one of the top five companies in the world by market capitalization in 20 or 2000, the year 2010, the year 2020. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Very impressive. When you look at the companies which have come and gone, again, that is one company which which has really sort of stayed the course. Now, part Mm. of the success of that, when you look at it, is the growth mindset that they have, I believe, as a company, that relentless focus on growth. Yeah. Now, interestingly, when the CEO came in, I think back in 2014, a guy called Satya Nadella, he was very much of the belief of having a growth mindset. He'd read a, a great book by somebody called Carol Dweck around mm-hmm. mindset. And he was insistent about, let's go and instill this philosophy of growth mindset further into Microsoft. Now, one of the key things, I'll give you an example. So one of the key things he actually did was introduce what's called and um, defined in terms of what a manager is within Microsoft. And okay. 
uh, one of the key definitions he came up with is he defined that a manager is or what management is it's the ability to go and deliver success through empowerment accountability by modeling coaching and caring mm, so again okay. the ability to deliver success through empowerment and accountability by modeling coaching and caring mm. now looking at that modeling coaching caring yeah that is fundamentally your growth mindset that ability to analyze a situation to learn from a situation to have a framework to assess you know what's gone well what hasn't gone well and to learn from it and then go and move forward this all seems uh, very positive doesn't it it's like treating treating negative experiences as a positive learning all part of the journey i, I think that's exactly it part of it is saying uh, approaching situations saying right, i can't do anything about this i've learned let's go move on whereas really a growth mindset is saying okay even the situation has gone well or has not gone well, let's go learn from that situation and make sure we actually improve and get better for next time. That's what a growth mindset is about. It's almost that primary question you enter any situation or any new situation, any new challenge or any new problem with. Mm, yeah. So it so it's having it's it's altering your mindset to deal with potential challenges from, from the get-go. You know, it's it's having the right approach to anything that a business might throw at, throw at you, if you like. Is that correct? Yeah, so, so whether it's business or whether, think about it another way, you're almost that journey of self-improvement. Mm, yeah, as yeah. you actually go through that, that, that process in the day of your life, as you actually grow, you're going to be exposed to, I guess, how, your inadequacies and your deficiencies. Now, how you go and treat that will be different whether you're a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. If you've got a fixed mindset, you will just go and shut down. Well, a person yeah. with a growth mindset will battle with the internal elements, I guess, within them and recognize they can actually learn from that and improve and overcome any shortcomings. Right. And that's what exactly. it is. It's having that mm. growth mindset. Yeah. No, so it sounds like quite a dynamic thing as well, doesn't it? Oh, without a doubt. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk sponges and rocks. I'm not talking about a trip to the seaside, although I'm sure we'd all appreciate that. I, um, I, I noticed it's, it's one of the things that you talked about on your website as well, Stuart, sponges and rocks. Can you explain that? Well, I first came across this concept by um, Sir Clive Woodward, and I was hearing him speak, and he talks about the World Cup and the rugby team that he pulled together in 2003. Now, what was interesting is when he had the choice of all the top players from around the country and he brought all the top players together, and before he chose his squad as to decide who he's going to go and take forward, he gave each of them a computer and a program to go and learn over a week. Wow. And by the end of that week, those people which had learned it, or those players who had learned it, they were the ones which potentially were um, in the squad. Certainly, hmm. those which hadn't actually learned how to use that program were the ones which were excluded from the squad. Now, his logic behind that was. Those players which were, had the ability to learn programs were great at learning. In other words, they were sponges. Yeah, yeah. They would absorb new knowledge, new information to make themselves better. Yeah. Whereas those ones who hadn't got that program, they hadn't got that ability to learn. They were less agile. So therefore, right. they were rocks. Mm. And one okay. of the key things, particularly at the moment, you, any company should be considering is through the recruitment process, how do you go and test whether any particular applicants are rocks or particular sponges you need mm. to be recruiting those sponges because you need to be yeah, creating yeah. teams particularly in scale up growth organizations which have the ability to go and learn faster than their competitors and the only way you can do that is if you've got a team which is committed to learning and moving forward with that growth right. mindset yeah part of the growth mindset is being open to learning and being open to new ideas to, to be a sponge to information 
exactly. It's about being open to, to new ideas and learning from situations and acting on that information as well to go and improve themselves, their team or the processes within the business. Mm. So it might be a good time to emphasize the stakes here. We're, we're told the right mindset can help us all achieve business success, but we're also told the wrong mindset can outright kill. Is, it, is that correct? Am I right in saying that? Without a doubt. I think particularly in, in today's business environment, those companies which um, are going to succeed are those ones which should be able to adapt to the environment they are playing in or they're competing mm. in better than their competitors. The only way you can do that is through learning. Yeah. Now, if you look at some of the most successful companies out there, so look at um, the likes of Spotify or, or Shopify, two great unicorn, yeah. very successful companies. One of the things that they do is their senior directors, you have to go and reapply for their role every year within the business because they recognize yeah, the role is going to change. <laughs> yeah. And they, they recognize that has that director got the skills, that commitment and the ability to go and learn and move to that next level. Mm. Yeah, that's a great way to well. Exactly. How can yeah. you actually make sure you're growing faster than your competitors? How do you make sure you're, you keep that commitment to yourself and to the business to go and grow? You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach, Stuart Ross. More information and details of how to order The Scale-Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. So if, you, if you've got the wrong mindset, well, what are we talking about killing? Is it, is it killing ambition or is it killing dreams? Or I think it's more, if you haven't got the growth mindset, my, my question in the, in the first um, stage would be, have you got a vision then, which is not ambitious enough, which isn't going to drive you or your business for moving forward? Mm. So you, you've got to have that, commitment if you have that vision but you've got a company which isn't learning and which is very much that fixed mindset i can guarantee you won't be in business for too long right okay so let's imagine for a moment that i'm going down the path and i'm looking into developing a growth mindset and learning from you and lots of other places how to develop that mindset how do, how do i then nurture it how can i ensure it becomes a regular part of my life both both in business and in my personal life let me go through with you a few practices and I think beliefs that you can mm. really go and adopt, create and nurture to go and develop a growth mindset, both within yourself and within your team. Thank you. <laughs> I think the first one is you need to go and embrace change. Yeah. The most effective modern leaders embrace the fact that we live in a rapidly changing digital sort of world. You need to be able to go and embrace that change, not resist change, not fear change, but totally embrace it. Yeah. So the first thing, be aware in terms of how you approach a new situation. Be aware how you um, approach changes. Are you embracing that change or are you resisting that change? Mm. Secondly, as within all great leaders, one of the key things any leader can do to help themselves move forward and to really instill that growth mindset is you need to become self-aware. Because before you can go and change and grow, yeah, you need to first understand what your starting point is, what your own yes. limits, what your motivations, what your emotional stakes are. So first thing you can do is, is comes to that self-aware then identify areas that you need to really go and work on to achieve more growth in yourself and again, your team. Mm. Okay, fantastic. Um, a couple of other ones. Next one, I would say you need to recognize and reward the value of learning in failure. I'm mm. constantly still surprised how many organizations I go into where the culture is almost a fear culture, a culture where people don't want to go and make mistakes or go and fail because they will then get into trouble or 
the fear that middle eaters will think less from them. Yeah. If you're going to grow and grow, yeah, failure is inevitable when it comes mm. to running sort of a business. The only way you can grow is by failing. Look at the yeah. likes of Dyson. He failed 3,000 times before he developed yeah. you know, his, his Dyson vacuum. If you look at Thomas Edison and the light bulb, the same thing, again, failed many times before he achieved, created that light bulb. So you need to accept failure. Failure is an important learning tool to enable you to move forward. So taking that innovative types of risk. Yeah, brilliant. Next one, I would say focus on the process as an ongoing project. So key part of growth mindset is to focus on the process, not just the result itself. Right. What I mean by that? Well, no team or company will execute or do things or deliver perfectly 100% of the time. Hmm. There will be moments when results do not go and meet expectations. And it's important you go and learn from that as to why they didn't meet expectations and look at a way to focus on the process to make sure you go and improve. Hmm. And the last one I would suggest is persevere to practice that perseverance much as bamboo tree does not grow overnight its roots grow for five years before it flourishes yeah yeah and it's exactly the same thing with learning yeah you've got to persevere you may not get the results initially in terms of you want but you need to treat obstacles as challenges and persist in spite of difficult situations which allow you to go and move forward and and that's part again of having a positive mindset as well isn't it sort of taking the knockbacks in your stride i think um, exactly, but treating every knockback as a, as a learning. Mm, okay, so that was pretty rapid, a lot to take in there, but I think our listeners broadly now know some of the tools and techniques they need to develop a growth mindset. But how do you work out your place in business with this new skill set and how do you create value for yourself in the workplace? Can you, can you explain the concept here of being a clock builder? This is a great concept, which... I've heard about many times mm. and seen many times, but it was really encapsulated in the, in the phrase, be a clock builder, not a time teller by Jim Collins. Now he talks about here, and again, this is about taking your mindset and making sure this is built within the organization as a leader. It's about having a great idea or being a charismatic visionary leader mm. is more of a time telling uh, type of leader. Whereas yeah. to be really successful as a leader in any scale up organization, you need to build a company that can cr- prosper far beyond the presence of any single leader. So therefore, you need to go and become what we call a clock builder. Right. Okay. How about we take another example to help our listeners get a grip on this? If you thought the Microsoft example aimed high, let's move things up another notch. Tell us how the new world, i.e. America, offers some pointers. What did the founding fathers of the United States do that startup entrepreneurs perhaps around the world should also do? That's a great example. So if you think back to the 1700s, Hmm. yeah, and at that time, the prosperity of a country was generally thought to be dependent on a large part on the quality of the king or in England, perhaps the actual queen. If you had a good king, and at that time, I think you had George III, Louis XVI, Charles III, Joseph the mm. first, those are all considered great leaders. Yeah. And if you had a great leader and the leader was considered wise, then the, the kingdom or country would then go and prosper as a result. Now, yeah. what's interesting is now look at the approach taken by the founders of the United States. When they went to go and define the, or the constitution of the actual US back in 1787, the question there was not who should be president, who should lead us, who is the wisest among us, or who is the best king. Hmm. You know, the founders of the country, your Thomas Jefferson, James Madison and John Adams, they focused on such questions as what are the processes 
that we can go and create that will right. give us good presence long after we're dead and gone? Mm. What type of enduring country do we want to go and build? On what principles? How should we operate? What guidelines, mechanisms should we go and construct that will give us the kind of country we envision? And by answering those questions, they created a constitution to which they and all future leisures, including Donald Trump, were subservient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they focused on building a country. They rejected the good king model. And in fact, what they actually did was went and built plots. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you've taken nation building and applied it to business strategy there. That's uh, fantastic. <laughs> Speaking of levels, I know you've referred to the work of Jim Collins uh, um, a moment ago. He's, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the business guru that gave us the concept of level five leadership. Can you tell us about that and how it works? So the idea of partly a clock builder is it's not necessarily just down to you as a, as a leader or a particular mm. sort of, of product. Um, which will drive a company's success. Instead, he punched holes in that myth and really held out that what really drove those companies which were successful longer term is that they had uh, leadership teams and products and services which last long beyond in terms of who is there currently. Right. Now, to do that, linking back to mindset, changing that mindset of what a great leader is, and he's identified what he called five levels of leadership. At level one, you've got what we call the highly capable individual. So at this mm. level, you make great contributions with your work. You possess useful skills and knowledge. And you have the talent and skills needed to go and do a good job. Okay. Level two, you've got what we call a contributing team member. So at level two, you use your knowledge and skills to help your team succeed. You, know, you work effectively, productively, and successfully with other people in your group. Mm. Level three, you become what we call the competent manager. So here, you're able to organize the group effectively to achieve specific goals and objectives. You then move on to level four, which is the effective leader. And level four is a category that most top leaders fall into. So here, okay. you're able to galvanize a department or maybe a team or maybe a business to meet performance objectives and achieve your vision. Hmm. But then at level five, you have the great leader. And at level five, you have all the abilities needed for all the other four levels. Plus, you have a unique blend of humility that is required for true greatness. Oh, that's interesting. And by okay. true greatness, it's about becoming that clock builder versus a time teller. And those mm. level five leaders, they are the greatest clock builders out there. Could you give us an example of a great clock builder then? Look, for example, at, there are say, people like your, your Bill Gateses, people like mm. Steve Jobs, all of those yeah. recognised in terms of they were building not just a business, not just a business centered around them. They're building a business that should last way beyond them. Yeah. So yeah. becoming that great leader, that level five leader, they recognize that. And again, start to step back in the organization to make sure the organization survived and indeed thrived well yeah. beyond them as well. Exactly. So, so where would a scale-up leader be on this scale of one to five, do you think? Well, scale-up leaders, as you move from being an entrepreneurial types of leader, which tended to be a level three stroke level four, mm. those great scale-up leaders are the ones who start bringing level four and level five. Yeah, so okay. all of a sudden, yeah. when you're starting a business, it's based around a product or a service and maybe just based around um, the leader themselves. Yeah. One of the key challenges, and we've talked about this in another strategy, is the, the entrepreneurial leader, the ability to go and let go Yeah. Yeah, and bring on other, other people. That's when you start mm. to move from level four to level five. You recognize it's not just about you, it's about creating something almost a legacy which is going to last long after you're gone. 
Yeah, right. And that's where it's sort of letting go of ego. And that's where the humility comes in as well, isn't it? This is this is a company that's bigger than me now kind of attitude. Exactly. And if you look mm. at some of the, I'm going to share with you some of the, I guess, characteristics of level five leaders, I'll say the first one, exactly as you say, is about developing humility. Level five leaders are humble. Mm. Yeah, You've got to go and make sure you learn that humility and make sure you understand at a deep emotional level why arrogance is so destructive. You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach Stuart Ross. More information and details of how to order the Scale Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. Yeah. And also, whilst they're clearly rare, we can we can learn some of the skills, tips and techniques, can't we, to, to try and become a great leader like that? Exactly. So, again, developing humility is, is I think, mm. one route. Another route I'd recommend is asking for help. Level five leaders mm. um, recognize they haven't got all the answers themselves. They do go and yeah. make mistakes. And asking for help is not seen as a weakness, but almost a sign of strength. Mm. I, I always remember Guy Kawasaki's quote, that A players recruit A plus players while B players recruit sort of C players. So mm. if you're recruiting A plus players, why wouldn't you go and take full advantage of their skills and stuff in your business? Yeah. That's where you need to go as a leader. You haven't got all the answers. You're trying to recruit people better than yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point. A couple of other things to help go and develop that level five leadership, taking responsibility. They recognize, level five leaders recognize they take responsibility, not only for themselves, but also the team mistakes or failings. Yeah. They also develop that discipline. Level five leaders are incredibly disciplined in their work and they go and commit to a course of action no matter how difficult it is. They go and stick there until it is resolved or until it is delivered. Mm. And we talked in the last podcast about having like a, a razor sharp focus on just two or three key points rather than a scattergun approach. That obviously applies here, doesn't it? Exactly. 100%. Mm. And the last one I'd I'd also add is level five leaders are passionate about what they go and do and they're not afraid to go and show it. Yeah, that yeah. energy, that enthusiasm, that passion, it demonstrates to the team that they love in terms of what they are doing. Yeah. And if you're having a hard time, finding that passion really go and works not only for you, but also for others. That's what really goes and keeps you motivated. Well, exactly. It goes back to a key tenet of what you've been telling us over the last few weeks, Stuart, which is to try and enjoy the journey. If you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? <laughs> 100%. 100%. Enjoy the journey. If you're passionate about it, the chances are you'll be enjoying that journey. Mm, fantastic. And our final section today is uh, on becoming a multiplier. Uh, our fledgling leaders have hopefully developed a growth mindset or at least an understanding of a growth mindset. They can now hopefully tell the time and become a clock builder. Can you tell us about the next step? I, I believe you have a story to share with us that involves some very influential people and a jet set encounter with Bono. <laughs> yeah, not quite with Bono, but uh, reading Bono. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Straight back in in two thousand nine, I was coming back from a business trip um, in the states, and I picked up the Times one hundred magazine, and and within the the magazine, it had the hundred most influential sort of people in the world listed. I reading through that magazine on on the journey, I came mm. across a quote which has really stuck with me, uh, and that quote says, "It has been said that after meeting with a great." British Prime Minister William Gladstone, you were left feeling he was the smartest person in the world. Hmm. But after meeting with his rival, Benjamin Disraeli, you were left thinking you were the smartest person in the world. Nice. I've never heard that before. That's fantastic. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and, and to me, that encapsulates management and leadership mm. brilliantly. Yeah. And throughout that whole maybe eight hours back on, on the flight, I was thinking through that quote and thinking through all those managers and all those leaders that I had worked for yeah. in the past, which felt uh, fell in the Gladstone camp. In other words, you were left feeling he was the smartest person or yeah. in the Israeli camp and that you were left thinking that you were the smartest person. Hmm. And so, linking it back to Bono, that quote, interesting enough, was attributed to Bono. And I don't know in terms of which Bono and stuff it was, and maybe it is a Bono from you two. Or Edward. Edward Duh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Could be. So so how does the concept of the multiplier and diminisher come into that? I, I'm assuming Gladstone would be a diminisher because he's diminishing people's power, I suppose. I think exactly that. So um, a couple of years later, I, I was fortunate to meet uh, a very successful um, author called Liz Wiseman. She wrote this mm. great book called Multipliers. And in that book, she really summarizes, well, there are two types of leaders out there. They're what we call diminishers and what we call multipliers. Right. So diminishers believe themselves to be geniuses, whereas mm. multipliers are what we call genius makers. They can make other people geniuses. Right. Now, what's interesting is if you look and what you see in the two different types of leadership, they are very different. So point a picture of the extreme. In a diminisher, what you see is almost a belief that people have scarce intelligence. People won't figure it out unless they are there. That leader needs to be there. Yeah. In the other extreme, you've got what we call the multipliers, and they believe there's the abundant intelligence out there. People are generally going smart, and they go and figure it out and stuff for themselves. Hmm. So that's what you see. Now, what they tend to do are two very different things. So diminishers, um, they will tend to empire build. They're hoard and un underutilized talent. They create anxiety and suppressed thinking. They tell it all, tell people what to go and do. They tend to make decisions in isolation. And they also tend to go and micromanage. They take over and control their way or the highway. Mm, dare I say that's making me think of a recent US president. <laughs> yeah, interesting that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be it from me to comment. Mm. Um, and then you've got the other extreme. You've got those multipliers. And what you, they tend to do is they tend to attractimize and optimize the best talent. They create great thinking. They extend challenges, encourage debates and, and decision. And they also go and instill ownership and accountability for those who go and work for them. Mm. Now, what you get as a result is probably diminishers get 50% of what people are capable of. In other words, you're working for a diminisher, you're going to do just enough to go and get by. And you're quite yeah. resentful when they go and ask for any more. They ask a favor for you, you're not going to go and do it. Mm. As multipliers, they tend to go and spar the individuals. People yeah. want to go and do stuff for them. So you've, you're able to go and get double really what a person is capable of. Yeah. So if you want to go and double your workforce for free, I say that again, double your workforce for free, that's when you need to adopt that multiplier type leadership attitude exactly inspiring people so you know there's a lot of positives around being a multiplier but but equally a number of dangers in in being a diminisher and being a diminisher you really don't bring out the best in people do you no not at all and, and what i paint there is two extremes you think of a, of a typical bell curve on the one extreme you've got diminishers and the other one aside you've got the multipliers the majority mm. of people sit somewhere in between where the challenge is is when we become what we call, I guess, accidental diminishers. Mm. So although people aspire to be multipliers, there are times which maybe you're put under pressure and you've got to go and deliver. All of a sudden, you do make those isolated decisions. You do go and tell people what to go and do. You don't go and coach people. You just go mm. and tell them. Yeah. And that's when you become the accidental diminisher. And that's when your behaviors start having an effect, which is negative on the person that you are managing. 
Yeah, so it's important, again, that the concept of self-awareness and humility come into play here, don't they? Indeed, sir. And one, one of the biggest challenges I think scale-up leaders have is when you go and start a business and you're in the entrepreneurial phase, you're proving you've got a business that works, you do need to be that diminisher because you're doing everything. You're controlling everything. You're setting up those processes. You're making all those decisions in isolation. Mm. And as you start moving to become that scale-up leader, that's when you need to start going through that transition. Stop yeah. becoming a diminisher and move to becoming more of a multiplier type leader. And a lot of leaders can't go and do that. It seems to me it's that this comes through practice or, you know, in, in, in the real world. So how, what, are, what are the tips? How can we be made aware of where we're acting like a diminisher and, and where we're acting like a multiplier? And then this partly links back to that level five leadership. It's there. Mm. It's about developing that humility. It's being more transparent, being more vulnerable. It's making sure you're, you're managing um, that team. But also, it's, most importantly, it starts, as I said previously, having that self-awareness. Now, how do you go and get that self-awareness? Well, go and ask people how you're performing as a leader. How could mm. you go and improve? Yeah. You know, getting that feedback as again, one reference point as to how you're performing will really help you understand where your leadership style is and how far away you are to becoming that multiplier. Right. So you've got to be pretty thick skinned, though, haven't you, to, to take on board that sort of uh, critique of your management style, I think. <laughs> I, I, I would say you need to have that growth mindset. Start off with what we talked about today, having that growth mindset. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. that is about you learning and looking at ways that you can go and improve yourself and get better. And the best mm. way to go and to understand how you're performing is to mm. ask those who you are managing or who you are leading. Yeah, and again, approaching it from a positive mindset that I'm going to improve as a result of this sweeping criticism of my management style. <laughs> or, or, or maybe criticism or maybe praise your management well, style. Exactly. One of those areas I'm, I'm, you need to build on and reinforce. Yeah, I'm being very negative there purposefully for jokes. <laughs> but um, for, for any human resources professionals listening in today or startup CEOs looking to hire now or in future, Tell us how this approach can help attract the right people. There's a clear style of management that I would rather work for, but that might not necessarily be the case. Yeah, well, well think about it this way. If you are having a diminishing types of leadership style, um, what will happen? You tend to get um, the leader who would then go and attract somebody which is not quite as good because they feel threatened stuff by that individual. As a result, what happens? Therefore, you don't get the results that you want as a company. And if you don't get the results you want as a company, you're not going to attract the best people. So therefore, you almost get a reputation as a company that you're the place to go to if you want to go and die. Yeah. yeah. And so ultimately, <laughs> what will happen, you end up attracting sort of B players. So the whole thing can cycle down very, very quickly. Mm, yeah, yeah. Turning it the other way around, if you've got that Moxtrar type leadership, so the A players will tend to trust, attract the A plus players because they recognize they need to get the best people in and really realize their potential to go and grow as a business. BA plus players are getting the results. What happens? They get recognized. You increase the company's success. The company becomes more successful. What happens? You're seen as a company as a reputation for a place to go and grow. So therefore, what happens? You tend to attract more A players. Right. So it's a self-perpetuating cycle, really, isn't it? It can be. It can be self-perpetuating in that. If you're in that decline cycle, yeah, the whole thing will snowball down very quickly and you won't be attracting the best people into your organization. So you're seen mm. as a place not to go and hang out or not to go and place a place to go and be. Whereas if you have that multiplier type leadership, that multiplier type approach, that growth mindset in place, you know, as a company, you will be attracting those best players. 
and you're ultimately seen as the place to grow. So therefore you will attract more A plus players. So exactly right. It is a self-perpetuating cycle. Mm, fantastic. Okay. And that's all driven by a positive leader with a growth mindset. So I think that wraps it up for today. As, as ever, an awful lot to unpack there, Stuart. Thank you so much. Once again, I feel like I've got to go away and do a lot of research on what you've said today because it's all absolutely fascinating. So once again, thank you very much and thank you for joining us. Great. Thanks, Will. Visit highgrowth.com today, where you can download Stuart's previous book, Secrets of High Growth Companies, and learn more about his successful strategies for team building, leadership, and business development. Yeah.